For Thursday, June 3rd, 2021, this is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, there might be an upside to living through the various traumas of the last year or so. I do expect that having survived 2020 will help us out when we get to 2030. Roxanne Silver, a psychologist at UC Irvine, joins me to discuss what coping with the stress of the pandemic and other recent traumatic events could mean for our future. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. The last 18 months have been extremely stressful. The pandemic, the economic downturn, and the election are just a few recent traumas that have hit many people hard. But living through such a traumatic time might better prepare some for the future, says Roxanne Silver, a psychologist at UC Irvine. She's with me now to discuss the traumas of the last 18 months and what they could mean for our future. Roxanne, thanks for talking with me. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to start just by kind of defining a term that I think we will use a lot in our conversation, and that term is trauma. So what does this word actually mean? Well, there isn't one clear definition, and in fact, the definition has shifted over time. It used to be that experiences that people had out of the norm were considered traumatic events. Now it is recognized that many people encounter stressful life events that impact them emotionally, physically, socially. And when I use the term traumatic life experiences, I'm talking about the latter, events that occur to people often without warning, many times appearing to be random and events for which people have relatively little control over. And my understanding is that there is an actual technical medical definition for trauma, and then there's maybe the way that people commonly use it. Can you break that down for me? Well, physicians often use trauma when they're talking about an accident that people will have, a broken bone, a gunshot wound. When psychologists use the term trauma, they are talking about exposure to a stressful life event, one that often occurs without warning, 
an event for which people have little control over and an event that appears to happen to them randomly. And so what do these traumatic events do to individuals? If we want to think about the impact that, say, a traumatic event might have on someone, their physical health, their mental health, socially, what are those impacts? Well, oftentimes people experience distress. That is, they may feel a great deal of anxiety or depression. Individuals may seem like they are distracted. Cognitively, they may ruminate about the event. They may have nightmares about the event. They may feel anxious when they think about the event. And elevated stress over time can lead to physical health problems. Cardiovascular events, strokes are possible. Again, that's with strong elevations in stress that does not abate. And when we are studying the exposure to traumatic life events, we often look at people's emotions, cognitions. Sometimes we look at their social consequences. So when people are very stressed out from exposure to a trauma, they might be irritable. They might not be very fun to be with. They may therefore be lonely. Are there particular kinds of people who might be predisposed to really feeling the effects of a traumatic event more so than others? In general, depending on the kind of event, we do see some people at greater risk than others. For example, we see that individuals who have been exposed to violent events in childhood may be more distressed or stressed out by violent events that they are exposed to in adulthood, let's say a mass violence event, a school shooting, a terrorist attack. But it's important to recognize that people are not doomed. We just can identify certain factors that may lead some people to be more susceptible, but not necessarily doomed when the next event happens. You've been studying the particular stresses that the pandemic has put on people. How has the pandemic really been traumatic for people? I feel like it has been so life-changing for so many people. It's maybe hard to put into words kind of all the specific things that have changed. But what have you been seeing just in your work about how this pandemic specifically has been a stressor to people? My colleagues and I have actually described the recent events as a set of cascading collective traumas to which many people in the United States have been exposed. So first we have the widespread illness and the tragic deaths from COVID-19. We also saw in the aftermath of the initial attempts to constrain the virus a series of economic stressors, particularly for those who lost their jobs. We also saw a number of climate-related disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires. Then, of course, we had the delayed reckoning of racial trauma 
in our country that was exacerbated by the recognition of George Floyd's murder. We had the stress of the election, the series of uh, stressors surrounding the election that spilled into 2021 and are still, in fact, going on right now. And all of these events, as my colleagues and I wrote, were are combined together are almost too much to bear. Any one of these events would have been very difficult for people to cope with, but the sheer combination in such a short period of time is what has made 2020 and the beginning of 2021 so stressful for Americans. Just to have them kind of enumerated all those stresses right there is just kind of remarkable to think what we've all been living through. Is there any one of those particular stressors that you and your colleagues feel has potentially had the most impact? We have been focusing specifically on the pandemic and its associated stressors. And many of the other events, like the economic downturn, uh, were directly caused by the stressor of the pandemic. I would say that I'm particularly concerned for people who were directly impacted by COVID-19 themselves, individuals who got sick, were hospitalized, lost a loved one. Those individuals are still dealing with the consequences of exposure to COVID-19. That's not to minimize anybody else's experiences. Everybody encountered a loss, be it symbolic or direct. So, for example, many young people lost their senior year in high school. Many individuals, I work at a university, who are enrolled in our university have never been to the campus. So there have been ways in which the year has been very difficult. People had to postpone weddings, people had celebrations that they had to handle virtually. All of these things were stressful. And again, I don't want to in any way imply that people are doomed, but all of these together have been quite challenging to cope with. This is, did you wash your hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking today with Roxanne Silver, a psychologist at UC Irvine, about coping with the stresses of the last year including the pandemic. I have been thinking about a lot in the last year, the kinds of stresses that are maybe not as explicit as, say, getting sick with COVID, losing a loved one, but just kind of the stress of having your life disrupted in, in ways that maybe don't seem as bad. How should people feel about that? I really encourage us not to get into some debate about who had it worse off. I think that everybody is in everybody had a story, everybody had something that they wished that they could have done that they were unable to do as a result of the pandemic and the associated restrictions. I really think it's important that we recognize that everybody had some losses. I have never, in any of the research that I've been doing over the last several decades, I have never been able to see a hierarchy of stressors. I, I really think it's important that we acknowledge that everybody experienced some loss and that we give people sla some slack because of that. I also do recognize that 
and this has been something we've seen in our research over the decades, that people are quite resilient and that people who will have encountered quite a bit of difficulty will still, many people will be able to get through this, recognizing personal strengths and coping strategies that they did not realize that they had. But I think it's really unwise and uncomfortable to try to set up a hierarchy of who had it worse off. I think everybody had something terrible that happened and ways in which they did not expect to spend 2020. And I think it's important that people recognize that both in themselves and in others, that it was a very, very, very difficult year. Are there any kind of practical tips that say someone listening to this who has had a particularly stressful year, ways that they might be able to handle that stress and and cope with it? Well, I have several thoughts about that. One is that my colleagues and I have been studying the role of the media and news media in particular that in some ways exacerbates the stress that people are feeling. Individuals who spend a lot of time reading about or listening to or watching bad news are in fact more likely to be experiencing distress and stress surrounding the collective events of 2020. And my colleagues and I have in fact recommended that people monitor the amount of media content, that they pay attention to how much time they're spending reading and watching bad news. For many, many months, it was all bad news all the time. And in fact, the news was even getting worse. Now we are, because of the um, widespread um, and, and excellent results from the vaccines, now people, many people are feeling that they're starting to see the light at the end of a long, dark tunnel. But Even so, I still think it's important that people monitor the amount of news to which they're exposed. It's also important that people reach out to others, loved ones, or to their healthcare provider, to hotlines if they are feeling particularly stressed and need someone to speak to. It's very important that people recognize, and I'm I'm thinking back to your question about feeling guilty because one didn't lose a loved one. I, I, I don't think that that is uh, warranted in any way. But if people are feeling intense stress or their emotional state is preventing them from re-engaging in their social life, I would encourage them to reach out for support. You mentioned the current state of the pandemic in the U.S., which is very different from the way things looked, you know, even a few months ago. Now that vaccines have been rolled out, more and more people are getting vaccinated, returning to a more, you know, quote unquote, normal life. So what is your sense of how this stress will maybe move into this new normal with us? How will people carry it with them? What what kind of after effects, if any, could we expect to see from all of us having lived through such a stressful time? Well, let me mention, of course, that while it is the case that the vaccine rollout has gone quite well in the United States, that is not the case across the world. And many, many people in the United States have friends or loved ones or colleagues outside of the United States. And so it's really important to recognize that while 
we are seeing widespread access to the vaccine that is not occurring internationally. So it's really important that we recognize that people may continue to be stressed because a loved one or a close colleague in another country is not able to get vaccinated or that somebody is sick. And in fact, there are still people who are getting sick in the United States every day. And I think it's also important to recognize that there are still economic consequences for many who have been stressed by the events of the past year. And as I said earlier, some people have lost a loved one to COVID. Let's not minimize the continued stress that many people are feeling. In terms of what we, how we're going to move past this, uh, this is something that we've not yet been through. And I'm a scientist. I try to collect data, my colleagues, and I will be collecting data to see how people come through this. I do see across all of my work that people are quite resilient. And in fact, I think people will get through. We will get to the other side. How that will look, I think, is not yet clear. We don't know if there will be variants. We don't know whether we will need booster vaccines and whether there will be widespread access to that. There are just many aspects of this that are still uncertain. And I think uncertainty is difficult and ambiguity is difficult. And that's also what has made the past year and a half or so so challenging. I think a lot of people, if you ask them what is the most stressful thing that you've lived through, the most stressful time of your life, the last year and a half is is likely going to be the first thing that comes to mind. Do you think that this is going to be likely the most stressful thing that a person listening to this might have to live through this last year and a half? And what are the implications of that? If we've all just lived through our hardest year and a half, what does that mean for the future? I really don't know if that is the case. Certainly there are people who, if they have previously lived through a war, may find 2020 to have been relatively mild in comparison. Again, I I really do think that there was a wide range of exposures. And for many, in particular, those who lost loved ones, one or more loved ones, or who personally had a very difficult time with COVID and may be continuing to exhibit symptoms, I think for them, this may be one of the most challenging years. And we certainly hope for them it is that things won't get worse. But I again, I think it's important to recognize that we really just don't know. There is still uncertainty. And while I'm optimistic and hopeful that we have been past this, many epidemiologists and virologists say that COVID-19 is just the first of many future pandemics. I hope that we have learned some things from this pandemic that will help us in the future. I do hope that the climate-related disasters don't continue to get worse. But again, I think that it's important that we recognize that this was a difficult year and we will get through it and people are not doomed from having had this experience and they and some may find some benefits. But I think one of the things that I've learned over the course of my career is that there's enormous variability in response. 
There isn't one size fits all, and it's very important that we try not to make generalizations that may just feel alienating for some people because it just doesn't fit their experience. Thinking about the stresses of the last year and a half, are there any positive things that can come from living through such a stressful time? Yes, in fact, some work that my colleagues and I did after the September 11th terrorist attacks found that individuals who had experienced a few stressors in their lives beforehand were better able to cope with the strain and the stress of 9-11. And I think that we very well may see that young people who have coped with the strains of 2020 will in fact be more resilient and better able to cope with stressors that occur over their lives in the future. We also know that some people have found some benefits or perceived some benefits from the events of 2020. In particular, people have reached out to and reforged relationships that they might not have had previously. Some people have been able to make good use of the time that they now had. Uh, There are many ways in which people may now come to appreciate aspects of their lives that they didn't previously appreciate. These are things I think we'll see more of over time. We're not done yet, and so it's, it's very difficult to see exactly what will be the case. But I do expect that having survived 2020 will help us out when we get to 2030. Roxanne Silver is a psychologist at UC Irvine. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary, but when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org donate and thanks.